0: Good morning. This this morning's reading comes from uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 56, and it can be found in page 893 in the Black Chair Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. When they, so they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But, they, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the the surrounding countrysides and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and and give them something to eat? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea... They thought it was a ghost and cried out, because they had all seen him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke with them and said, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded, because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Geneseret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout the region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe. And everyone who touched it was healed. This is God's holy and inspired word. Thanks be to God.
1: Uh, good morning. My name is uh, Dick Layman, one of the pastors here at Faith Church, and I trust that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving time. Um, my son, John, and his wife and three little kids uh, came to our house. We we're here for a whole week Uh, They left yesterday morning, uh, yesterday afternoon rather, and uh, it was just a delightful time to be with them uh, as well as um, lots of other families. So for Thanksgiving Day, uh, we had a chance to go over to uh, Bob and Patty Pritchett. Patty is Susie's sister and they go to church here. Uh, And they had their kids and the grandkids and all of our kids and grandkids. I think there was like 25 people in the house. It was uh, unbelievable. And and it was a delightful time. Uh, One thing that was particularly meaningful for me was I got to see a friend that I hadn't seen in years. Uh, And uh, she was actually here in the first service. I didn't say this in the first service, but she's 90 years old uh, and doing really well. And uh, her husband... Uh, was a captain in the Coast Guard, and when he retired, he became an elder in the church that I first served in when I was a young seminary graduate, and we worked together for many years. And uh, uh, he's with the Lord now, and so she was just here and, and as a widow. Uh, and it was just delightful, delightful for me to spend some time with her. Um, and uh, I trust that you had a good Thanksgiving time with your family as well. Uh, I know that Thanksgiving, uh, as well as Christmas, can be a hard time. I think it's because uh, the holidays kind of bring out all these longings that we have for connection with family. And so often it's in the holiday time that we're very aware of someone that's not here. You know, there's someone who should be sitting in that chair, but that chair is empty because they're no longer with us. Um, and so those longings get stirred up, and you have this bittersweet experience of the time. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and the winter season oftentimes is a, is a time where people really struggle financially. Uh, they struggle in other ways as well. And so it gives us the opportunity as a church to be a compassionate people. And so uh, you all were very much involved in the Thanksgiving basket that you gathered and, and uh, collected over there to distribute to those who are struggling at this time of year. Uh, I know the teens are involved in uh, collecting uh, money for Milford Miami Ministry to purchase uh, Christmas presents, and you can get online and help them out. Uh, that would be a great thing for us as a church to show compassion, To those who are struggling and so uh, they could use your help. Uh, Angel Tree over there in the uh, alcove towards the children's ministry is a wonderful ministry uh, by Prison Fellowship. It's very gospel centered uh, and uh, you can go over there and pick up a a, um, angel from a tree and purchase a Christmas present for uh, some children whose parents, uh, one or both parents are in prison now I don't know if there's any more of these left, but I do know every year that we've done this that we've needed drivers. So if you can't get an angel tree, consider or angel from the tree. Consider helping them out in the distribution of these gifts and show the compassion uh, to them in that way. Now let me ask you: Do you ever think about um, how people get into these difficult situations? Um, You know, oftentimes it's through no fault of their own. Certainly that would be true of the children, right? It's no fault of theirs. Uh, Other times we know that it's due to poor choices that have been made, perhaps by one of the parents that lended them in prison. But here's a question. Are you the kind of person that shows compassion towards others who are struggling regardless of the reason? If not, why not? In our scripture passage, we're going to see that Jesus has compassion for those who are struggling, regardless of the reason. In fact, we can describe him as a compassionate shepherd, but we'll also see that Jesus uses the opportunity in the midst of someone's struggle to teach them something about himself. Difficult experiences that we go through should be a learning experience. When you're having a hard time, you should ask yourself, what am I learning from this? What am I learning from this? myself or about myself in this? What am I learning about the situation? What am I learning about God in my situation? We'll see that Jesus is teaching his disciples something. Sometimes we get what we're supposed to learn from our experience. Other times we don't. Here's the main point of the passage. It's actually in your bulletin if you're looking at the place to take notes. The sentence there on the screen says this. Jesus is the compassionate shepherd who teaches us and meets our needs. May we learn what he has to teach us. Father, we just uh, come before you and ask that by your spirit, Working in our hearts, you'd have us learn what you have us to learn this morning from this passage. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, in the beginning of this section in verse 30, the disciples had just gotten back from a mission trip. And they told Jesus all about it. Here, they're called apostles. The word apostle just simply means sent ones. Uh, And they gave a report of all that they had done and taught. To the people. And as we saw earlier in chapter 6, it's actually in verse 7, they had been sent out two by two to all the surrounding villages. They cast out demons, they healed the sick, they preached the gospel of the kingdom, and they told the people to repent. And they were so busy, Mark tells us, with so many people coming and going that they hadn't even had a chance to eat. So after they gave their report, Jesus, the compassionate shepherd, had compassion on them and told them they all need to get away and find a place to rest. So they went to a solitary place to get away from the people. And the basic learning here is this. You know, after an exhausting ministry, if you've been really expending a lot of energy elsewhere, you need to take the time to rest. God has built into us this natural rhythm of needing rest. So every night you have a chance to go to bed, and maybe you're exhausted when you go to bed, and hopefully with a good night's sleep you'll feel better in the morning. You'll feel refreshed. If you don't sleep well at night, then that's a real struggle the next day, isn't it? Every weekend, we're to take some time off. The Bible calls it a Sabbath. To take some special time of rest and stopping your activity and reflecting on the Lord. That's the Sabbath. You take that time for rest. Every once in a while, we should take a vacation, right? You, you get away and you, you uh, recharge your batteries by just getting away for a while. And then, of course, holidays. And holidays can be really, really busy times. I know it. Maybe your Thanksgiving weekend was a very busy one. But there hopefully is some time in the midst of a Thanksgiving holiday or a Christmas holiday where you can take some time to rest. So... That's the reason they're going off in a boat. They're going to go to a remote place. They're looking forward to taking a break and getting it away from all. Uh, They're going on a staff retreat. Yippee! You know, this is fun. We get to go on a staff retreat. However, the people are watching them as they get in the boat, and they're watching where this boat is going, and they're following following along on the uh, shoreline, And they're just following wherever the boat is going. And crowds start gathering all the way to the point where when the boat stops, there's this huge, humongous crowd of people. So much for getting away. How do you think the disciples felt? How would you feel? You know, I wanted to get away from all these people. And here they are right in front of me. I know several years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to take a special trip. Someone was actually providing for us to be able to fly to this destination. It was a place that we had never gone before. We were really excited about it. And just before the trip, one of my sons comes home. We realize he's got needs that we need to take care of. We canceled the trip. How do you think I felt? frustrated, disappointed. You know, as a parent, you do what's right, correct? You do what you got to do, and we made the right decision, but we canceled the trip. Some of you know how it feels when you can't take a day off from work. I know that feeling way too often, Others of you know how it feels as a mom. You know, you're always taking care of the kids, and you need a break, and you can't get it. Yet here's a big teaching moment for the disciples. We read in verse 34 these words. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, seeing the huge crowd on the shoreline, had compassion. I think the disciples had compassion. That's what he was teaching them. You know, we need to take care of these people. You know, as I I think about this, this is the lead-in to the first point where Jesus, the shepherd, feeds the 5,000, the major section that we're covering this morning. But Jesus sees the crowds as he gets off the boat and stands in front of them. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. If you look at the Old Testament, you'll see that it's a major theme in the Bible, Uh, The word shepherd is mentioned over and over again, and a shepherd of the sheep is mentioned often. Uh, I counted 120 references to it. I actually love looking all of them up and trying to figure out the meaning of the references. Um, And it's very significant. It's very rich. And so I would recommend that as a study for you if you're interested. It certainly um, refers to Moses, As a shepherd, he was a literal shepherd when God called him. He was taking care of sheep. But God called him to shepherd his people. And here on the shoreline in front of a massive crowd is one who is greater than Moses. David was a shepherd when God called him. He was a literal shepherd of sheep, protecting the sheep. And God called him to shepherd his people. It's described that way in the text. Here is the son of David standing on that shoreline with this massive crowd in front of him who is greater than David, the son of David. Now, many of the Old Testament passages indict the leadership of being bad shepherds. They neglect or even abuse the people. Many of the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel were speaking out against these leaders for what they were doing to the sheep. Ezekiel chapter 34 is a long section of pronouncement of judgment on the leadership of Israel of that day and how they were bad shepherds. I often think about this passage when I read in 1 Peter chapter 5 that Paul, or excuse me, Peter calls the elders of the church shepherd, and they are to shepherd God's flock. May we not be like the shepherds of Ezekiel's day. And there were bad shepherds in Jesus' day. Herod was a king, but he was a terrible shepherd. Last week, we read about how that awful birthday party that Herod had when he murdered John the Baptist and had his head delivered on a platter, Herod was a bad king and a bad shepherd of his people. And the leadership of the nation of Israel in Jesus' time neglected and abused the people. Jesus' strongest words were against the leadership. We'll see that in the next chapter when when, uh, Jesus calls them hypocrites, In uh, Mark chapter 12, he warns the people to beware of the scribes, and he gives a scathing rebuke of the leadership. And so in the midst of this crowd, Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. They needed a shepherd. They were struggling. They were hurting. They were neglected. They were lost. And Jesus had compassion on them. He was a compassionate shepherd who wanted to meet their needs. There's an interesting prophecy in uh, the book of uh, Micah, chapter 5. You'll recognize it as we approach Christmas time. It reads like this, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, You are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God. Jesus standing in front of those crowds on that shoreline was a shepherd who came from the town of Bethlehem. We read in verse 34, they began to teach them many things. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds teach. They lead the people. They give exercise leadership, and and, uh, they teach the people what they need to be taught. And Jesus did that. Jesus began to feed their spiritual hunger. Their hunger about the kingdom of God, about their sin and need for repentance, about faith and trust in God, about relationships and how to relate to one another in a way that honors God, about how to live their lives before God. And so we read in verse 35 after Jesus had taught them for several hours. Not 40 minutes, but hours and hours, maybe a whole day. The disciples came up to him and they drew attention to the fact that they were in a remote area, it was getting late, and they ought to send them to the villages to get some food. The disciples were concerned about physical hunger. Remember, the disciples themselves did not have time to eat. So maybe it was their own hunger that they were concerned about. Maybe they were hangry. You know what hangry means, right? Hungry and angry. Hangry. And maybe, because the text says there were 5,000 men, there were a lot of hangry men in the audience. They said, we better going to give them something to eat. Well, Jesus said that to them. Why don't you give them something to eat? They said, what? 5,000 men? How are we going to do that? Well, they figured out it would cost 200 denarii. They go to the villages and purchase all his food and bring it back. Cost costs about uh, eight months of a person's wages. You know, do we have enough money for that? And uh, should we spend all that money for this? And, uh, you know, do we start a GoFundMe account or what do we do, <laughs> you know? And Jesus is now, he says, how many loaves do you have? You know, well, okay, let's go back to the boat and see, you know, what's in the boat. Uh, John actually tells us that they ran into a boy who had his lunch there, and the lunch was five loaves and two fish, and the boy gave it to them. So they said, okay, well, he's got five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus tells them, okay, I want you to divide up the crowd into groups of 50s and 100s and set them up in separate groupings. On some green grass, there was actually green grass in the area, uh, which some scholars uh, suggest that maybe this must have been springtime uh, and so they led them over to the big grassy field um, size of a football field I don't know, and they actually divided them up into groups, and disciples probably didn't know why they just were doing what they were told. But then Jesus took that boy's lunch, took the bread, he broke it, and he said a prayer. Says that he took the five loaves and looking up into heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. Do you know there's a traditional Jewish prayer that was common in Jesus' day? They even suggest that he could have said these words. Just listen to the, the words of this traditional Jewish prayer said at mealtime. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the world, who brings forth bread from the earth. I don't know if Jesus actually said those words in that way, but if he did, can you imagine? Blessed art thou, Lord God. Jesus is Lord God, King of the world. Jesus is King of the world. And Jesus is about to bring forth bread from the earth. This account in uh, Mark's gospel is this one miracle that is recorded in all four gospels. Very significant. Here, let me read it again to you, starting in verse 41. He took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. What was Jesus teaching them through this miracle? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, as long as I live. What was Jesus teaching them? He was teaching them that he is the shepherd written about in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. David was writing about the son of David who says he is my Lord. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. He had given them spiritual food through his teaching. Now he was giving them physical food through the multiplying of the bread and the fish. By the way, don't you wonder what that must have been like for the disciples to watch? You know, it's like, how does he do that? It's like, you know, Mark doesn't tell us how this looks, but... (laughs) 5,000 people? Wow. You know, in the Old Testament, at the time of Moses, the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. And there were a lot of them, a lot of Israelites. And there was a lot of grumbling and complaining among the Israelites. I would say they were a hangry people. (laughs) God provided manna for them. He kept them alive through his bread, which came from heaven. What was Jesus teaching the disciples? Jesus is the one who is better than Moses, providing manna for them. You know, there's another story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 4, 42 to 44, about a situation involving Elisha the prophet. There was a hundred men in need of food, and a guy brought to Elisha 20 loaves of bread, and Elisha tells him uh, to feed the men, and the servant reacts. He says, 20 loaves won't feed a hundred men, but the text says he gives it to them, and they have enough to eat with plenty left over. You know, those who knew their Old Testament would know that story. That was a very familiar story in the Old Testament. This isn't 100 men. This is 5,000 men. Jesus is better than Elijah. He's better than Moses, better than Elijah, better than all the Old Testament prophets. In fact, in multiplying the loaves, Jesus showed that he is the bread of life. In John chapter 6, after this miracle of feeding the 5,000, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. What was Jesus teaching the disciples? That Jesus is the one who cares. He's a compassionate shepherd who meets the needs of his people, and he teaches them that through their physical hunger, he is the one to satisfy their spiritual hunger. He himself is the bread of life. One of the critical themes of Mark's gospel, hinted at uh, first in chapter 4, verse 41, When Jesus was in the boat, you remember the story of a huge storm, and they woke him up, and he just stopped the storm in the midst of its activity. It just a word, and, you know, he just uh, grabbed it and muzzled it, um, stopped it. (laughs) What did the disciples say? Who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Last week we saw uh, when Jesus was teaching in Nazareth that the people said, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? How are these miracles performed by his hands? Who is this man? And then when King Herod heard about Jesus in Mark 6, 14, the people were speculating about who he was. Is he Elisha? Is he one of the prophets? Maybe he's John the Baptist raised from the dead. Who is this man? You know, this theme about the confusion over Jesus' identity builds and builds to the chapters to come. Even the disciples didn't get it. In verse 45, after the miracle of feeding the people, he immediately sends off the disciples in a boat. You know, he takes them and carts them and says, Get in the boat and go. I want you to go over here. And then he turned around and dismissed the crowd. Verse 46 said that he intended to go off by himself to pray. He was now ready for some alone time. Okay, maybe I can get a break now. It's night time. So Jesus goes off to a retreat by himself. He says goodbye to the disciples, dismisses the crowd, and he goes to a mountain to pray. And once again, we see the importance for a time alone with God. Jesus is going to talk to his father about all that's going on. Perhaps he was struggling in some way. You need to spend time alone with God. Do you spend enough time alone with him? Neither do I. We need to spend time alone in prayer, and often we find ourselves just too busy. Jesus does at the end of a day and needs to get away, and we should too. Maybe this has been a busy season for you. Maybe it's ramping up to be busier yet, but I would really encourage you, if you can, to come to tonight's prayer meeting. You know, we need it. And we actually have the opportunity to show compassion for the people that we pray for, you know, people who are struggling. So the way that we can exercise compassion for people and a desire to fellowship with God can be in this meeting tonight. Now, Jesus, the shepherd, he goes away for a time by himself, but he is ever mindful of the disciples. He's thinking about them, even as he's praying to the Father for perhaps a couple of hours. After a few hours into the night, the disciples are rowing their boat on the lake, and they're starting to struggle. Verse 47 reads, Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. So Jesus, the compassionate shepherd, walks on water, the second point. It says it was very early in the morning, about the fourth watch, so that means sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It says that he came towards them walking on the sea. So Jesus, the compassionate shepherd, you may not think of shepherd with walking on the water, but the reason he's walking on the water is because he's looking after his sheep. He sees them struggling You know, when sheep wander off and get themselves in trouble, and so often when the disciples go off on themselves, they get themselves into trouble. He rescues them. That's what a good shepherd does. John not only rescues them, he has something to teach them. You know, I can just imagine what it was like for these disciples in the midst of this sea And the storm, the wind coming, it doesn't show that they're in danger per se. It just shows that they're not making any progress. You know, it says they were straining at the oars, straining and pulling and pushing and trying to make progress. And they weren't making any progress. It's a large boat, you know, it has at least 12 men in it. And the wind was so strong, they were being battered as they rowed. Now, I'm not a fisherman, but I can visualize this kind of situation. You ever been working so hard at something and you feel like you're not making any progress? So frustrating, you just want to give up. But you can't, you know? You're in the middle of the lake. It's three in the morning. You can't stop. You just got to keep going. Does Jesus notice... When you are struggling like this, he does. He sees you struggling with your health issues. He sees you badly in need of rest. He sees you in the midst of whatever is going on in your life that you don't feel like you're making progress in. He's your compassionate shepherd. And so he saw the disciples straining at the oars and not making any progress, and he decides to walk towards them. Verse 48 says, He came walking towards them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. Why did Jesus want to pass by them? Interesting verse in the book of Job Chapter 9, verse 8 says, God alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. When he passes by, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. That was the experience of the disciples. When God was walking on the water, they couldn't see him. In fact, it says they thought it was a ghost and they cried out because they saw him and were terrified. And Jesus walked by them on the water. They thought he was a ghost. It scared them to death. You know, the language of this text is interesting because it, it describes uh, the language of a theophany. Uh, that's when God manifests himself in visible form. There are many theophanies in the Old Testament in those instances where God visibly appears to people. It may seem like a ghost, but it's God. One of them was before Moses. Moses had asked the Lord in Exodus 33 uh, to let him see God's glory. God told Moses that he would pass by him, and so he did. Moses caught a glimpse of the glory of God. And the disciples caught a glimpse of Jesus' glory walking by them. You know, the Apostle John says this in John 1, We beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's for that reason that when Jesus finally caught up to the boat and he came into the boat, he said to them, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What was he saying? The Greek language is ego, a me, I am. I am he. When God appeared to Moses in that theophany in the burning bush, he said, my name is ego, a me. I am that I am. What was Jesus teaching them? That he's more than a compassionate shepherd concerned about their situation, wanting to rescue them. He's God manifested in flesh. So they got into the boat with them and the wind suddenly stopped. Text says they were completely astounded. Now, can you imagine... You know, you're straining at the oars. You're not making any progress because the wind is so strong. You're not getting anywhere. All of a sudden, you see this image walking towards you. It looks like a ghost. And this whatever it is gets in your boat, and the storm stops. I think you'd be astounded too, right? like, who is this man? We read in verse 52 the reason that they were astounded. It's because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. Interesting. They did not understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Oh, they understood that he had multiplied the loaves. They saw him do that. Oh, they saw that he walked on water. That was unbelievable. They saw that when he got in the boat, the wind just stopped. That was amazing. But they didn't understand who he was. Mark says it's because of the hardness of their heart. You know, In chapter 8, a few chapters later, Jesus actually refers back to this miracle of the loaves. They had not understood about the loaves. They didn't get what he was trying to teach them because of the hardness of their heart. In referring to that miracle, he says, do you still not understand? So out of his compassion... Jesus, the shepherd, meets the needs of his sheep. He teaches them, he feeds them, he rescues them. But the point of the miracles was not just to meet needs. It was to demonstrate his power over sin, his power over sickness, his power over death, his power over the wind and the waves. It was to demonstrate who he actually was. He is the Son of Man, the Son of David, the Son of God. God manifested in flesh to save a lost humanity. And they didn't understand yet. Anyone who doesn't understand who Jesus is has a heart problem. They can witness God actively working in their life. They can see that God is blessing them or helping them or all kinds of ways God is involved in their lives and still not get it. In verse 53, it says that they landed the boat near Gennesaret, which is the fertile plain on the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a small town by that name. And so they landed the boat there, and here we get the third point where Jesus the shepherd heals the sick. He continues his ministry as a compassionate shepherd. We read, when they had crossed over, they came to shore at Genesaret and and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe. And everyone who touched it was healed. You know, Mark uh, does in verse 56 what he often does through the gospel of Mark, and that's give a summary statement And all these summary statements, as you read them one by one, they're about these massive crowds that come to see Jesus. He's incredibly popular for the miracles that he's doing. And so here's a statement where these massive crowds are trying to get a healing touch from Jesus. All they needed to do was to get close enough to touch his robe. And Jesus, the compassionate shepherd, continues to heal people wherever he goes. Jesus is the one who cares. You know, there's probably no greater common need that we have than when we are sick. We don't feel well. Or when our loved ones are sick and they don't feel well. Think about these people, part of these crowds that were carrying on a mat a loved one Probably pretty heavy, (laughs) loved one. A couple, three of them are carrying this person all along the countryside, trying to find Jesus so that He might touch them and heal them. What if they don't make it? What if they don't find it? What if they can't get close enough to Him for Him to touch them? If they do, He heals them. If they don't, He doesn't. We can often relate to this sense of desperation, can't we? Many of you, your loved ones, have been sick. Some of you have loved ones that have died, and that's why Thanksgiving is a hard time. Got the empty chair at the table, you miss them. Others of you are worried about your loved ones right now. You wish for a healing touch from Jesus, and you pray for them fervently. You know, I didn't know if I was going to say this, but I said it in the first service, so I might as well say it now. The reason I brought this stool up here is I don't feel well. In the last uh, couple of months, I've struggled with dizziness and uh, lightheadedness, and at times it's vertigo. I thought, how am I going to preach a sermon if I'm in the middle of having vertigo? I thought I'll put this stool up here and um, do the best I can. I hope you're okay with that. You can pray for me. Come tonight and pray for me. Pray for others that you're concerned about. You know, whatever I whatever I have going is not anywhere near as difficult as others in our midst others who are really struggling and who have serious life-threatening illnesses. and We should show compassion for them as well. But you know, the point of all these miracles was not only to show that Jesus is a compassionate shepherd who feeds the sheep and heals the sick. The miracles were to show that he is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Good news of the gospel is that out of his compassion, God the Father sent his son into the world to die for us as sinners. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, he showed compassion on us, and Christ died for us. The real issue is not that we're struggling in some way, have some physical need or health condition we're struggling with. The real issue is the condition of our hearts. Not the physical heart, some of you may have heart problems, but it's the spiritual heart. If your heart is hard, you won't understand, as Mark says, the miracle of the loaves. What do we need to understand about the miracle? of the loaves the moment when jesus gave thanks and broke bread looked up into heaven and distributed it to the disciples is very much like the moment of his last supper the night before he went to the cross mark 14:22 says he took bread blessed and broke it gave it to them and said, This is my body, broken for you. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said, This is the blood of the covenant, my covenant, which is poured out for many. Then he says, Truly I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom is that Jesus is the bread of life come down from heaven. He is the manna that came from God. And as the bread was broken, his body was broken for us. He hung on a cross for our sins and declared, it is finished. He finished what he was to do. He died on the cross for our sins. After three days, he was raised from the dead. He ascended the Father and sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. You know, if your heart is soft towards the Lord, you understand this. You get the miracle of the loaves. One day you'll have a chance to sit with him in heaven, and you'll be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's take a moment of silence as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper.